0: The Academy Awards are just over 24 hours today, 24 hours away. So today, I'm going to be ranking all 10 of the Best Picture nominees of this of the 2022 Academy Awards, from the worst to the best in my personal opinion. Hey everyone, welcome back to Movie Morning. And today, like I said, I'm going to be ranking all 10 of the 2022 Best Picture nominees at the Oscars, not any other award show. This will be a spoiler-free ranking because I'm assuming most people haven't seen at least a few of these movies, so I won't be spoiling any of them in this. I will just be giving you my thoughts on each of them. And in my personal opinion, what's the weakest out of all of them, what's the best, and everything in between. So I don't want to waste any more time on here. Let's get started. Coming up in my number 10 is going to be Don't Look Up. Now, if you want to check out this film, it's on Netflix. I will also be telling you where you can watch each film because I'm assuming you might be interested by a few things I say. But coming to my t- number 10 is going to be Don't Look Up. And I feel like this movie is probably most people's number 10, unfortunately. This is an okay, very unsaddle, unsubtle satire of our times. I didn't love it or even like it as much as I was initially hoping hoping to. I think the biggest issue here by far is the balance of comedy and drama just didn't really mesh for me most of the time and it took away from a lot of the heavier moments in the film. And the, the 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 biggest disappointment is that it's not even that funny. Like the big short the another film by Adam McKay is hilarious. This movie is not funny. Some of the satire I feel like is way off the mark. Don't think that it was quite the right thing to do. And I, again, like I said, the humor was pretty, you know, hit or miss. Now, this movie's actually not very long. It's only about two hours without credits. And it, but it's, I think it's actually paced pretty well. I think it kind of flew by for me. Some of the actors are great. I think Leonardo DiCaprio, DiCaprio is probably the best part of the whole movie. I think his portrayal of this scientist, I think, um, is really great. And I actually wanted him to get an Oscar nomination. He even gets like an incredible. Rage out Oscar clip in this movie, which I loved every second of, and some other standouts for me were probably, um, Meryl Streep who's really good, and Jonah Hill who delivers some of the best laughs in the whole movie. I think the weak, the weak link in the cast is probably Jennifer Lawrence. I feel like she overacts and overplays a lot of the more dramatic or even like too comedic moments in the entire in the entire movie and I think what I'll say is the actual story what they're trying to do is compelling enough for me to care but I feel like the way it was presented just alienated me because it just felt off for a lot of it but this is a more enjoyable and more fun movie to watch than a lot of your best picture nominees but I don't think it's anything special certainly nothing to ride home about and I don't think it really belonged with most of the other movies on this list Coming in at number nine is going to be Drive My Car. Now, this film is available on HBO Max if you're interested in seeing it. And let's just, you know, talk about The Elephant in the Room. This is a three-hour-long movie. And I definitely wouldn't really say it get boring. It definitely does feel stretched out for a lot of the movie. It Again, it's not boring, but it does definitely feel like you can just feel the extended runtime not in like a boring way but in terms of you can just feel the writers trying to find different ways to take the movie now the movie is like I said it's constantly searching for new conflicts to draw out of the characters and dive into and going into new character development which I really appreciate I feel like a lot of the turns it takes especially with the driver character towards the end of the movie felt kind of like weird sidetracks from where the movie started and it just Again, even with the setup, I think it just a bit took a bit too long to get going. I mean, the opening credits for this movie happened nearly 50 minutes in. I mean, that's just how weird it felt. Now, this is definitely not going to be liked or loved by everyone. I mean, this is a massive investment. And I think that this might actually be the most niche movie. Actually, maybe probably second most niche movie out of this entire list. And I think the best part of this movie by far is the screenplay. A lot of the messaging around grief is presented through the dialogue and writing and not really visually shown and while i would have appreciated a bit better a, a bit conveyed more visually i do think that the direction is decent and i think it's the writing that steals the show i am surprised though that reyusuke hamaguchi director directed this movie actually got a directing nomination i definitely would not have nominated him and I'm also surprised this movie ended up getting a Best Picture nomination because it is very long, and it is very niche, although there, it does have a lot to say about grief, especially, like I mentioned earlier. And it definitely, it's just, it definitely, the directing definitely takes a backseat to the writing in this movie. And I like that communication is also a big part of that movie, and it's such a dialogue-heavy movie, and I feel like the element of communication throw in there, how how people communicate and how that's dealt with, that kind of justifies the very dialogue-heavy movie. And then when I get to my, issue, my issues, while well, I think I really like the the messaging, I feel like the film just left me very cold. And I'm pretty surprised, like I said, this received a Best Picture nomination, because usually from a Best Picture nomination, I'd, I'd appreciate either a very Oscar-baity movie or at least a movie that just makes me feel something. With this one, while well, I... It was a good observation piece, and I liked some of the things I was going into. I don't know if it quite touched my heart as much as it touched my mind. And I think that's really where a lot of my issues come with this movie, and it's just not the type of storytelling I prefer. I love when you can find a balance, and I don't think this movie was able to do that. And plus, it's just very, very long. Coming in at my number eight is going to be Belfast. This was pretty much the, the first front runner of this year's award season. And I feel like my number nine and my number eight can end up switching. And if I dive more into Drive My Car, I think I might actually be able to find more in there to push it about Belfast. But for right now, the film that I had more fun watching and just enjoyed more consistently was Belfast. This is a rock solid examination of childhood in Belfast in the late 1960s. Obviously, as most of you probably know if you looked at this movie, it's very heavily based on Kenneth Branagh's personal journey in his childhood. And I think you can definitely tell because of the level of authenticity and the way that the heavy moments are really hammered down. Jude Hill as Buddy, I think, is such a sweet character and easily one of the breakout performances of last year. Everyone else is fantastic, too, particularly Katrina Balfe and Jamie Dornan some of the more probably underseen um, actors, and I think they do a great job in there. And I think that, but I think Kenneth Branagh really does feel like the star of this movie. I love his style, I like the black and white visuals, helps to add to recreating the time. And I just think this is the first movie I've seen, I think of Kenneth Branagh, where I really felt like the guy behind the chair in the director's chair really had a distinctive vision. With, I feel like, his studio films, like whether it's his um, Agatha Christie adaptations or even Thor or, you know, like, Artemis Fowl, I feel like he kind of gets lost in the shuffle. With this movie, you can really tell there is an auteur behind there, and I really want to see more of that. There's also a beautiful use of color. But while this was the frontrunner for Best Picture, I couldn't really see why. It's extremely personal, and I love that, but I just feel like, doesn't have as much punch as maybe you might as want, which is kind of a recurring theme with these bottom three. And despite having a very tight runtime, I don't think the pacing is just is quite there. I feel like there's a few moments where we're we, with our kid buddy. We kind of go in, a, go in a few weird directions, getting involved in school that I just don't think this film needed. And it was much more interesting when it was just the family and parental relationships we were seeing. And I think my other issue is that I just wish this movie tried to do a bit more. I appreciate that it's simple and it stands out among these movies as that. But I think it could have tried to do more. And I think with that, it would have come much higher on the list. Coming in my number seven is going to be The Power of the Dog. Now, this, as of right now, I think is still the front run. But if you saw my best picture, I mean, my Oscars predictions from a few days ago, you know that I actually think a different movie will be winning. And we'll talk about that movie a bit later. But The Power of the Dog... It's definitely a lot to take in. It's very slow. It's a haunting character study, while also, I think, exploring a lot of subtext and themes that I didn't really anticipate going into this movie. And this movie did actually take me a while to process, and it was not what I expected at all. And I'm going to say this, the first act of this movie definitely took its time. And I think, but I think what really carried the opening act was Benedict Cumberbatch's performance. He's fantastic. I definitely wouldn't give him best actor. And I'm actually not even sure if I would have given him a nomination considering other movies, other actors I've missed, like Leo DiCaprio or Nicolas Cage. But I do think he gives a great performance. I feel like his authenticity is just great. He's very aggressive, but I love the way his character transitions through the film. Cody Smith McPhee's character is a lot more involved in the plot than I was expecting from the way the film film began. But I feel like what they did with him and his relationship with Benedict Cumberbatch's character paid off really well in the third act. And speaking of the third act, it's definitely what you're going to be leaving thinking about. The final 20 minutes were just kind of unbelievable. It's hard to fully catch on to a lot of it without paying very close detail. But I feel like your patience definitely pays off. I think Jane Campion's direction cinematography definitely stand out in terms of the more filmmaking side of things and while I wasn't definitely locked in the entire time which I think a movie really needs to stand the test of time I do think that overall it was an intriguing experience, it was another really great observation piece but I just feel like for the length of the runtime, I might have, I wish it kind of got me invested more quickly and I also do wish that I feel like the film could have maybe set up a few things set up some dominoes to be toppled over a bit more clearly because there's a few which if you if you blink you're literally gonna miss it like there are some in here which I did not notice and had to watch parts of the movie again to get and I think in one way that's good that they're being subtle but it can be a bit frustrating if you're forced to pay that much attention it's releasing on Netflix that's just my personal opinion if you disagree I'm sorry but The Power of the Dog comes in at number seven as of right now it's a great movie but I just wish maybe that I could have connected to it a bit more, which is kind of the theme of most of these movies blowers. I think they're great movies, but they just don't quite connect with me as much. Coming in at number six is going to be Paul Thomas Anderson's Licorice Pizza. And by the way, I just have to say, I've never seen a film from Paul Thomas Anderson in my entire life until this, so I had no idea what to expect, but I think he did a great job behind the director's chair for this movie. Now, this movie is a very much a meandering and hangout movie, similar to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And while I definitely do prefer that movie, I think that the where this movie shines is in its energy and realism behind the characters' interactions. And that's what really drives this movie. This is a comedic, it's romantic, it's a pseudo-coming-to-age film, and there's a lot of very funny moments. The script is very sharp and it's very witty. And nothing ever really goes on too long. It's paced really well, and I really appreciate that. The experience of this movie being set in the 70s and the way it's shot, even the lens they use, the colors, some of the dialogue, and even the nature of the central subject matter and the script, I think, did a great job of showing that. I think the performances are also mostly excellent, particularly from the two leads. And, you know, Cooper Hoffman especially was a big standout. I thought he was... I thought he was absolutely fantastic in this movie, and we also have some really fun supporting performances like by Sean Penn and Bradley Cooper, although I don't think they're like Oscar worthy. I do think there are fun spices in there to add on to this movie. I also love the juxtaposition shown between the two leads, and I just love how they're drawn together because of that. Now, I don't love this movie as much as most other people, it seems, and I think the relationship was handled really well, but I think the subject matter was never handled distastefully. I just still struggled to really get on board with it from the opening act. And I don't know if the end of the movie quite even sold me on that, unfortunately. And I think my other main negative is that I just wasn't really a fan of the third act of this movie. I felt like it really kind of fizzled off, which is never what you want to do with the movie. And if you look like at my top five, especially, really nail the ending, this one couldn't quite do it for me. Coming in at my number five is going to be Coda. Now, this is, as of right now, the film that I'm predicting will win Best Picture on Oscar night. And if you're interested, this film is available on Apple TV+, Plus, so you can go see it on that. And, of course, and also to go hear my other predictions, make sure to go listen to that episode. But this is a very charming, it's a very heartwarming it's a very cozy movie too that i found myself very wrapped in i think it tackles a topic that we rarely see in movies and it does it does it with such heart and charm and cheese to a degree but i feel like it kind of just makes you appreciate the movie more and just makes it so lovable i think the character interactions and emotional journey of the main character absolutely overpowers any of that amelia jones in the lead is amazing, and I love how she's the only one who you know is speaking through a normal dialect, and is, and because of that, I feel like the performance must have been so hard, and I really think she did a phenomenal job. What Mar- Marley Matlin is the mother is great. I think Troy Kotzer is the true standout of this movie, and as a scene towards the end of the movie, that will pretty much make anyone watching it choke up, and I don't care who you are. This is a very, very this Farrah movie very much tries to tug at your heartstrings. And I appreciate that it tries to do that. And again, I feel like the entire cast, just on its entirety, was superb. And I love how authentic the you know all, each of the roles were played. And there's a movie that I can actually see a lot of people getting something out of. And I genuinely don't think anyone watching this won't enjoy it. Now, do would I personally give it best picture? I don't think so. I think that from a filmmaking standpoint, I think a movie and maybe achieves a bit more, but also has a heartfelt story, maybe should get it. And I don't know if we quite have that balance here for a movie to pick. But I think, while it's not super impressive on the filmmaking levels, I think from a script perspective, the, the performances and the emotion of the movie, I think this is a very, very solid movie that I really liked. And I think it will be the movie taking home Best Picture this year. Coming in at my number four is going to be one of the most beautiful looking movies I've seen in a very long time. That is Nightmare Alley. The production design of this movie is immaculate and insane. From the set of the carnival to the urban areas of the time period. I just love everything. I love how specific El Toro is about every little detail that needs to be shown on screen. And I love the way shots linger on different locations. kind of expresses its beauty and its its. Connection to the plot even more. The costume design is also absolutely terrific and it really caught my eye, especially, which does not happen with movies, I promise you. And the sound and cinematography is always, as always, really great. And I love the cre- creepy atmosphere that this movie is able to create. And it really, really got me engrossed and enthralled from the very, very beginning of the movie. It's also got a fantastic direction and phenomenal performances, especially from Bradley Cooper who I'm baffled did not receive a Best Actor nomination. Kate Blanchett and Willem Dafoe are definitely two other standouts. Dafoe is very eccentric. It's kind of what you'd expect from a performance from him. And I think that... And But I think he plays it so well. I'm just a big fan of him. I also really like Rooney Mara in this movie. And I really like the emotional journey she goes on and with our lead character, played by Bradley Cooper. And even though I think it's a bit pushed to the side at times... And I feel like this seems to be quite a controversial opinion, which I didn't expect. This movie is also been not as consistent in terms of engagement as I maybe would have hoped. I think the first hour or so couldn't quite hook me as much. I was definitely entertained. I loved the atmosphere. But the story didn't really get me until it turned into this very twisty, dark story as the second act comes around. The third act especially. While it's not the most unpredictable thing, I just, it just, I just loved the way it felt. And it just took enough turns, and it was done with enough subtlety that I could really appreciate it, especially the ending, which is haunting, and I loved it. And this is very much, at its core, a character study of the character of Stan, played by Bradley Cooper, and I think it worked completely as that. Coming in at my number three is going to be King Richard. This is a sensationally uplifting, triumphant, Heartwarming sports drama that will surely leave everyone with a good feeling and I mean literally everyone this is definitely a crowd pleaser there's definitely more of the Ford v Ferrari of this year as opposed to say like the 1917 comparing it to the 2020 Oscars and it's a description that I find many people roll their eyes at but I think it's great I think Will Smith in this movie definitely delivers the best performance in his entire career and having seen more movies from him in the past few months and reflecting on this for like four months since I've seen it I think I can clearly say that. He manages to put a smile on your face, but also have so much nuance within every single decision he makes. And the other standout for me was actually John Bernthal, the Punisher himself, who plays very much against type and provides a lot of the humor for this movie. And almost all the jokes in this movie landed for me. I found it to be very funny, and I don't think it's getting enough credit for that. But I think the thing that's so special here is how it delivers the whole package. It's able to be emotional, it can tug at your heartstrings, put a big fat smile on your face, can make you frustrated by the characters in a good way. And I've said a lot about this movie without even saying anything about Venus and Serena Williams themselves, which is who the movie's mainly to be about. And that kind of just speaks to how the movie's about so much more than them. I'm not really familiar with them outside of this movie. But I think it portrays them good. But I think Richard Williams very much is the lead. And, King, and Will Smith absolutely knocked this role out of the park. And um, so did the entire uh, creative team behind this. Ronaldo Marcus Green did a phenomenal job behind the director's chair. And I just... This is a movie that I can't get enough of. I've already seen a few times. And it's just one of the movies that I feel like will transcend this award season. And I will watch it again in years to come. My runner-up is going to be West Side Story, and now this movie did not do well at the box office at all in terms of expectations, so if you do want to see this, this movie is available on Disney+, Plus as well as HBO Max, so you have no excuses not to watch this movie. With that said, let's talk about the return of Steven Spielberg. Nobody makes movies like Steven Spielberg. Nobody captures the movie magic quite like him. This is easily one of the best films of 2021 and absolutely one of the best out of this Best Pictures list. And this is coming from someone, by the way, who does not enjoy watching musicals usually. And as you can probably tell from even looking at the trailers, Steven Spielberg directed the hell out of this movie. There was clearly so much passion for the source material, whether it's the stage play or the original 1961 film. But this movie is just as perfect as I feel like it could have been and it absolutely paid off. Giannis Kaminsky's cinematography is breathtaking. The production design, costumes, the colors, how vibrant everything is, I loved all of it. I feel like I've missed that from movies. And I honestly don't think there's a single aspect of this movie technically that you can nitpick. But let's move beyond just that. This movie is just eye candy from start to finish. And ear candy because it sounds great. This movie also would not come together without the performances, especially from Rachel Zegler and Ariana DeVos, who are the two standouts. And I'm so glad Ariana DeVos will absolutely be taking home Best Supporting Actress because she's incredible in this movie. Everyone, though, from top to bottom is great, particularly David Alvarez as Bernardo and Mike Feist as Riff. I think They both do a great job. And this movie is two and a half hours, and I really barely felt it. I think it does take a bit a while to get going. But it does make the payoff, makes you care about the characters enough that it does feel feel like it's worth it. And it packs a surprising emotional punch on many occasions. And where this movie goes, I've never seen any version of West Side Story before this movie, by the way, I really just didn't expect. And it was so much more than just a standard, you know, two people falling for each other musical. And I really appreciated that it did more than that. And there was a, but I think my main issue which stops this movie from going to number one is that I feel like there was a bit of a suspension of disbelief aspect in terms of how much forgiveness can go, which I don't know if I quite bought, but I think overall, I think this film is just, maybe my number one is just more akin to my taste, what I would want to watch, but this movie was able to overcome a turtle of musicals aren't really my genre at all, and I think that was honestly a success enough, but other than the fact that I loved it, is just insane. I love this movie. I cannot wait to start, wait to watch the movie again. And now let's go to our number 1. But coming in my number 1 is absolutely going to be Dune. If you've listened to me for a while, you know my movie taste. You knew this movie was going to be number 1. The fact that a blockbuster spectacle sci-fi epic is nominated for best picture, obviously it's going to be my favorite. I mean like this movie is the biggest spectacle I've seen on the big screen in years and one of the most transportive film experiences I've ever had in a movie theater. The world-building in this movie is just phenomenal out of this world. Literally, it's fascinating. And as long as this movie is, I wish we spent more time in this world. And this is a part one, and it's able to get you so interested in a two-and-a-half-hour movie that you want to watch like six hours in this universe. You can totally be there for it, despite the slow, hypnotic, but also the very meditative mood that Denis Villeneuve creates here. I mean, this movie just transports you to to a different world with every single technical aspect. The stunning cinematography by Greg Fraser, legend in the business nowadays, with a booming score by Hans Zimmer, amazing visual effects, incredible sound work, amazing editing, I mean, all of it. I, mean, I was absolutely blown away at how the movie was even brought to life. But even in terms of its story, the cast, and some stand-ups from I mean, were definitely Rebecca Ferguson and Jason Momoa and Timothy Chalamet, I think, does a great job as the lead character of Paul Atreides. But I think, I think the true star of this movie, and I think everyone will agree on this, is Denis Villeneuve himself. The fact that he was not nominated for best director i think might be the biggest crime at the oscars in years so well, i mean last year we had the whole fiasco during the awards show but in terms of nominations the fact that he wasn't nominated makes no sense like i'm quite genuinely wondering who would the academy did not vote for him like did they just think this movie made himself it's not best direct best movie it's best director And I just cannot believe he wasn't nominated. I'm still in disbelief, like a month and a half later from the nominations. But anyways, I really need to get over that too. But this film is just phenomenal. It's also not quite as distant as I feel like most people are saying it did get me to care about the characters. And I did feel when some of the characters did perish. And I really, especially with one or two of the characters, which I don't want to get into, I think everyone is just absolutely brilliant in this movie. All the technical aspects are amazing. I love the spectacle, the way the story was brought to the screen. Just the world building and the way it's setting up a sequel to even expand even more gets me so excited. And as someone who has read the source material, I cannot wait to see how it will be brought to the big screen in the sequel. So that's why Dune for me is my favorite of this year's Best Picture nominees. And I really wish it was going to win, but it's not. But if this movie does win you know that I'll be the happiest person alive, so just know that, but anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed this ranking, thank you so much for sticking with me for this long ranking, discussing 10 of these Best Picture nominees from 2022, and I hope you guys are enjoying this, even though you will probably listen to this after the awards show, knowing how this platform works, thank you so much for listening, I'll catch you all next time, bye-bye.